Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. You're tuning in to the best resource for business owners, entrepreneurs, and people just looking to find some new insights in the business world. All of that is here on today's episode because we have one of my favorite kind of podcast episodes. We have a round two conversation. This is where we bring back not just one of my favorite guests, but one of your favorite guests. And today we're bringing someone back from one of the top downloaded episodes ever. We have John Legue joining as the COO of Copilot. Uh, John's friend, Matt Spatel, who's the CEO of Copilot, joined the podcast a few years back. It was the number one most downloaded episode on the show for quite a while. And John is looking to get back in the ring with a little round two conversation. Now, if you don't know much about Copilot, it is an amazing exercise and personal fitness app. Uh, they just raised six and a half million dollars in Series A funding just this last year. Uh, it's pretty incredible seeing how much it has grown. And we're going to be talking about growth in the podcast today. How can you grow your business in meaningful ways, including a little conversation about influencer marketing? All that and more is on today's episode. Check this out. But before we dive in, we do have a word from one of the amazing businesses that are so kind to sponsor the podcast. Check out this quick ad. We'll be right back soon. There's one single piece of advice that I give to business owners who are ready to scale their business drastically. And that's knowing exactly what you need to hand off so that you can continue focusing on what you're an expert in. It amazes me when I talk to business owners who are doing their own bookkeeping and tax prep and worse that they're going through all of this paperwork at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, even midnight, slaving away, trying to make sense of all of the numbers for their business. Business owners who are making it happen have already figured out that you can't do it all yourself. That's why I recommend Steve Lay with Equity Business Solutions. Not only is he an expert in bookkeeping and tax prep, but what I love about Steve is that he'll sit down with you and help you make sense of the value of your business beyond just reading a spreadsheet. You'll be able to make better decisions, and more importantly, you're going to save yourself the crucial time you would have spent going through QuickBooks or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it is that keeps us up late at night. So save yourself some time and some money by giving Steve Lay a call at Equity Business Solutions, and he'll show you the value beyond your numbers. Go to EquityBusinessSolutionsLLC.com to find out more. John, it's so great you have you on the podcast today. Um, a returning, uh, I was going to say returning guest, but returning company on the podcast for a second time. So thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here. Well, you know, and it's a little awkward because I'm very much into the dad bod. You know, I try to uh, I try to avoid exercise as much as possible. <laughs> and uh, it seems like with Copilot, you guys are really. I mean, you're you're saying making a difference sounds so much simpler than what you're actually doing. But um, I see some of the the stuff you guys post on social media. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, very exciting to be a part of the company or part of a company that is truly impacting people's lives. I always kind of joke with people that uh, one of my favorite things about working here is getting to see some of the testimonials and it mm -hmm. it almost feels like the testimonials are fake, like we're paying people to, <laughs> to make these things about how much we changed their lives and how like they were in such a dark place and we kind of helped them work through that. and. 
knowing that those are completely real is always, always very nice, yeah. uh, especially when it's been a rough week. So, you know, what's funny though, is you like, as you build your tribe, like people really do become like huge junkies for your product or like just ravenous about what you're selling. Um, I posted something yesterday. I do this thing on, um, Tuesday mornings for local entrepreneurs to be able to come and just like share some insights. Cause there's not a lot of events like that, that aren't like paywalled or like, you know, sales crazy. And I posted about it yesterday. And one of the people who's an attendee basically wrote and said like, yeah, it's exhilarating to be able to go to it. And I was like, wow, exhilarating. That's <laughs> I, would awesome. definitely, yeah. I would definitely sell myself much shorter, but um, <laughs> it is funny though. Like as you pick up those customers or users or what have you, who they genuinely enjoy your brand. Um, how'd you get to that point? Let's, let's start with the first loaded, you know, <laughs> explain it all the next sentence. Yeah. How did you get to that it, point? I mean, you know, it happened overnight as, as these things do. No, it, it's definitely did not happen overnight. Um, it was definitely a long, long path. Uh, and there's, there's by no means does everyone love, <laughs> love copilot and there's definitely <laughs> a spectrum you know for some people it works really well and for some people it's it's not the right fit um but yeah it's 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 a long journey so i guess kind of just starting at the the beginning um i i'm technically not one of the original co-founders of copilot that would be matt and gabe two really smart guys from mit and and carnegie mellon here in pittsburgh but they started a company that was solely focused on building hardware devices. So they were trying to build uh, a wearable watch that you could wear while you worked out and it would track all of this really cool data about your workout. So you wouldn't have to keep track of it yourself because they were huge nerds, still are huge nerds and also yeah. really into fitness. I think when Matt came on the podcast, he talked about like his Starcraft days like playing the game starcraft and i was like this is such an interesting this has never happened on the podcast before but anyway continue yes. <laughs> um yeah he got me into starcraft too yeah. so I, that's part of the story too that's so uh, funny. i love that but uh yeah it's a good team bonding but uh um, yeah sure they, or very so toxic whichever this... you know whichever way you look at it sorry we're getting way off off track continue please yeah uh so they started this hardware company uh or mostly just an idea, something for themselves that they wanted to build to track their workouts. And they started sharing it with people and realizing, okay, maybe this could be a business. Maybe people would buy this wearable device. They had this really hacky kind of watch thing and they were collecting some cool data. But what they quickly learned is one, building hardware devices is really hard. And so they kind of pivoted to using just Apple watches and, and putting their software on Apple watches. But they learned that this, this data they were collecting, while it was really cool and interesting for people to look at, and it made things a little bit easier when they were working out, it wasn't really solving a huge problem or a painful problem uh, for people. And so they were like, okay, what can we do with this data that would be solving more of a problem? And that's when the idea of bringing in an actual expert, a personal trainer who could look at all of this information sift through it, synthesize it, and apply it to your future workouts uh, would be very valuable to people. Um, and so they brought on personal trainers. And, and at that time, that's pretty much when I joined the company, when they were launching officially their remote one-on-one -on -one personal training service with all of this cool uh, workout tracking information as well. Yes. So that was yeah. Sorry, I was just saying there's such like a gap in like knowing how to read data well. Um, 
I got into it back when I was a school teacher, we were talking about like difference in test scores. And um, one of my coworkers was like, well, the, the person in leading the meeting was like, hey, these numbers are different. And the person leading it was like, or the person sitting next to me who's very smart was like, well, they're not statistically different. So like we're having like a whole conversation about what one teacher is doing versus the other when they're basically the same score. And the person leading the meeting was like, they're different numbers. Like I can physically see it. And there was this, this back and forth. Well, finally, my coworker was just like, all right, whatever, you know, <laughs> but so you're, you're bridging yeah. the, the data deficit with not just someone who can understand the data, but, and here's what I love about what you're doing with the co-pilot, someone who like functionally understands, like from a firsthand perspective, it's not like, Hey, I understand the data. Now let me connect you with the trainer. It's, I understand the data and I am the trainer. So I can tell you exactly what you need to be doing next. Right, exactly. Yeah, data itself is a whole language. And so being able to communicate that effectively is definitely a, a skill um, and and understand it. But mm. yeah, so that's that's when I joined the company, which was January of 2020. Um, and the story around that is also a little interesting. I won't go into the details, but I was looking for, for a job at the time and I was in the startup space already. And I uh, saw a posting by Matt and Gabe online. It was like one of the first positions they were hiring for. They were looking for someone to help them grow and also looking for someone to help them uh, on the data side. And my background is in data science. That's what I went to school for. But I also have experience helping startups grow and, and on the marketing side. And so I kind of just shot them a message saying, hey, I, I can do anything. Like, let me help out. Um, and they responded. We had some some interviews. We got to know each other. And within like a week or two weeks of that message, I was moving into their apartment and, and living with them. <laughs> so that's kind of how I joined the company. You guys went full on like Silicon Valley. like Exactly. Yeah, we together. really, okay. really <laughs> went into it. <laughs> okay. Now, you were positioned, we, and you and I have chatted a little bit about this, but um, you were positioned to grow, do the marketing to grow the app, um, to grow the user base, uh, which sounds like a very simple task. And yet, um, it, we know it's, it's a very, um, challenging, not the right word. I mean, it is challenging, but it's, it's much more complicated than it sounds. Um, for starters, I mean, you know, there's tens of thousands of apps out there. So you're in this whole pool of apps. Uh, you're trying to pick up users for people who you're not physically engaging with. Like it's different from a sales perspective perspective when I meet you in person and I say, Hey, listen to the podcast. And you know, I guilt you to feel awkward enough to download it in front of me. Um, you know, I can't, you can't really do that with an app. So <laughs> talk to me, like, what was your approach? Like, how did you, um, how, how did you approach this thing? Like, what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is like the crux of the question with any startup, <laughs> anyone starting a yeah. business, it's like, how do you, like, you don't, you can't just build it and they will come. Uh, you really have to, yeah. A lot of people think that though, right? Yeah. Like the ego, I mean, I, and you, I think, I think you're obviously much more uh, in the startup conversation than I am. I'm more like fringe, like meeting people who are in the startup world and, I do run into people where, you know, it's like, oh, it's Facebook, but it's better. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're going to, no, not against anyone, you know, right. but I'm like, right. okay, we're talking like trillion dollar company. Like you have the better, I mean, we all hate yeah. Facebook, but you get they it. Put but, millions and millions of yeah. hours effort yeah. into fine tuning. It. it makes me think of, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Parks and Rec, but um, oh, yeah. 
the uh, I can't think of the guy who like gets fired or he quits or something, but he shows Rob Lowe um, his claymation uh, thing that he spent like all day, and it's like you know half a second. Um, I think that is like the startup world. A lot of times, it's like you have this grand idea, and then like you slave away for hours and hours and hours, and you're like, "This is what I have." Like after all this time, so. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm getting like I'm totally like taking us into the random world here. Yeah, um, you, ha- you had this app, you had this this program that you wanted to get people enrolled into. Um, how did where did you start? What did you do? Yeah, so uh, I, it's definitely a difficult difficult question, and I will. Put it out there that you need something that is actually valuable to be selling and growing that is definitely kind of stage one um by no means do you need a perfect thing to be selling it and marketing but for specifically for people in this startup world um having something that is actually solving a pain point is an important thing to have in mind too before trying to throw like mm. ad spend at something um you do want to iterate a bit on that and make sure you have something that's yeah. worth like really, really growing. Well, and I think I think that's a real, I think it is step one, but it's also like a really painful, challenging starting point because like, how do you navigate? I think what I have is valuable, even though it's not, or I think <laughs> I'm solving a problem, even though I'm really not like, like, how do you, how do you parse this as a founder like you have your idea, you know, in your heart that it has merit. And yet, like, is there any way to like make this less of a guessing game? Like, how do you really make yeah. sure that people, they do see value in it? Yeah. So I, I, two, two books that I always recommend to anyone who like asks me uh, about startup journey. Uh, the first one is the mom test, super oh, yeah. short book. We've talked uh, about it on the podcast. It's a, okay, it's a great yeah. one though. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, and then I believe it's traction, mm-hmm. uh, the bullseye method by um, Gabriel Weinberg, uh, the the founder of DuckDuckGo. Uh, both of those, those are my two go to books, because they kind of answer both of the questions that we're talking about here. So the first one is like, how do you validate the idea? And, and the mom test is really good for that just by talking to people um, to see if there's really a pain point that you're uncovering. And if if you're solving it with your solution. Uh, but how do you really know if you're actually solving something is, okay, are people going to pay me for this solution that I have? Or are people going to use it so incessantly like Facebook that it's so clear that it's it's something valuable to them? And then I can monetize that in some other way. But yeah, the, those two books are kind of the foundation for how I approach and how I have approached uh, growth at Copilot and at other startups. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, and it's. I think it's great advice. And for our listeners, without getting too in the weeds, um, th- this is. By the way, if you're not in the startup world, this is. These are still incredible books, especially the Mom Test, which its premise is basically: if you want to know if you have something valuable, um, don't ask your mom. Ask, ask. Ideally, ask your customer, your end user, what they think about it. Um, so this works for any of us who are selling anything, but, um, so John, you definitely that's step one, you, you approach this with the mentality of like, how do I make sure that I'm, I'm ultimately asking people to engage with something of value. Um, and then where did, where did the marketing go from there? Yeah. So especially in the early days, like we don't, we didn't have much money for marketing or doing any big campaigns or anything like that. 
uh, very, very lean operation. We're all living in an apartment together. How do you how do you get people to use this app? And it was also 2020. And so mm-hmm. March, we literally launched on March 1st. And then two weeks later, everything was shut down. Um, but that's where I kind of turned towards the book Traction. And it really is my playbook. And, and kind of walking through what that book outlines it is it's a very simple process that you can do in any type of business. And I encourage everyone to go through these exercises. Uh, you don't even need to buy the book. I think the author, he's made some Medium articles online that literally outline all the important stuff. So just Google that and you, you'll see a nice outline that tells you exactly what to do. And I literally did these step by step. Uh, and was able to actually get some traction and, and get growth. Um, but the the ultimate goal is to find, okay, how can I find a channel or some area where I can acquire customers reliably at a cost that is worthwhile for my business? And so this book is all about how to find that channel, how to find that source. So in, in the book, there's a an assumption that there are effectively 19 different types of channels that you can use to acquire customers. And so those channels are, are kind of broad categories like offline marketing or online marketing, mm-hmm. speaker events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he kind of puts everything into these 19 different buckets. And my process is okay we have these 19 different channels and so i sit down and i literally just make a spreadsheet where each tab is a different uh channel that could be a way for us to get customers and within each of those tabs within each of these channels i'll go through and i'll literally just list out as many ideas as i can think of for how what could i do within this channel that could Mm -hmm. potentially get me in front of people get me talking to people or get me an actual customer. And so I would just list out as many as I, ideas as I could for every single channel. Um, and then kind of create a hierarchy of how I want to go through and test all of those ideas. Um, so the the three questions that I use to evaluate these channels or these tests and, and which ones I, and decide which ones I want to start for, first are uh, one, how many potential customers could I get from this channel or, or this test? So like maybe I can get one person, but is this a reliable channel for me? Is Am I going to get more customers from this? Uh, the second one is, okay, what is the cost to acquire a customer? And, and that cost can be in my time, my effort, or just in actual sort of ad money that I'm putting in or, or spend that I'm putting into that channel. And then the final one is, is this the type of customer that I actually want? Like, is this person mm-hmm. going to get value for my service? Are they going to get, uh, are they going to love my service? Are they going to tell other people about my company or my my product? Um, so those are the three questions. And I kind of, before I start doing anything, after I've kind of had this big brainstorming session for every single channel, and, and I'll note, it is important to really do it for every single of the one of these 19 different channels. So uh, a lot of small businesses and startups get very fixated on a certain 
so on certain types of ways to grow their company. Like we all know that Facebook ads is a thing and they're very, very easy to set up. Mm-hmm. Like you just need a credit card yeah. and a website. You'll spend it very quickly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You'll spend money very, very quickly. And <laughs> and so everybody knows that's there. Same with Google ads, but most people will try those ads at some points uh, because they're very easy to do and and very accessible. But yeah, and I mean, I, I think about, I was talking to someone the other day who he was like, it's so funny how it's like so casual to, I was talking to someone, he was like, yeah. And then I, I went ahead and boosted my post on Instagram. And I was like, uh, okay, wow, good for you. That's great. But it's very, it is very accessible, very easy to do. But very I didn't mean to interrupt you though, continue. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just, showing that most people will go for those easier things, those lower hanging fruit that we all know about, but it's a very important exercise to really walk through every one of those, these 19 different channels uh, and really brainstorm as many ideas as you can within each of those. Even if that's that channel isn't something you're familiar with, even if you're not an expert at all, all in that, uh, or if you've never seen anyone else in your your space or industry use that channel before, um, like if you're a mobile gaming app, most people are probably using some sort of Facebook app ads or in-app ads on other games, uh, and so you might not think of okay, maybe direct mailing. If you're a mobile gaming app, you might not think of sending out mailers to people as a channel that's worthwhile for you. But I, I would say it's definitely worth at least the exercise to go through and list out all of those things in all of those channels, even if you might not initially assume that it would work for you, because you might be surprised mm-hmm. at what actually does work and what is an underutilized channel within your space or within your niche. Um, so right. yeah, brainstorm as many as you can within each of these 19 sort of channels, uh, again, just if you want to know what those channels are, I would Google the full list so you don't have to listen to me <laughs> them off in you the just podcast. Made 19. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, but like, um, I love this too, because well, there's two things I really like that you're doing is one, um, it gets rid of like the personal bias. Like you mentioned, like people who just are naturally drawn to a certain channel or, 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 and it's not even like personal bias. Sometimes you have people who are just like, so vocal, like, Oh, you gotta do like, I actually got myself in a awkward situation with a a new business owner where I was giving him some advice and someone nearby was like, well, you gotta do, you gotta do advertising. Like you just gotta throw in like, you know, a thousand bucks into advertising. And I was like, he doesn't even know what he's selling yet. Like chill out, you know, but but you're getting people telling you what you should do also. Um, So I, I love your sort of un it 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 sort of naturally lends itself to this more unbiased approach. Um, how do you account like and tell me if this is like included like in the cost to acquire, but like um I'm thinking like the nuance of like time to acquire. So like at like a, a speaker event or like at a networking event, typically those take longer to acquire someone because it's much more personable. Um, but those can be more um in terms of like repeat business those can be much better for your business long-term versus someone you acquire quickly, but the the tie to your business is so much more surface level. Are, do you navigate those kinds of like complexity or is that included in one of these questions or um, yeah, or I, app world? Is it all about just like, let's just, let's just keep, you know, pumping the numbers. I mean, <laughs> pumping is just I mean malicious. I don't mean it that way. I mean, <laughs> you know, growth at all costs, but just very I mean, curious every- like how you navigate it. 
every channel definitely is different. And, and you might have a speaking event or something like that. And then you don't actually get a customer from that for several weeks later. Maybe they they leave and then they go and they start listening to the podcast. And then it's on week three of listening to the podcast that they actually uh, end up you know, becoming a customer or something like that. It's it's harder to account for that in this initial stage when you're just going out and you're you have okay. nothing. I would say go yeah. for the okay. things that are going to get you faster results. Yeah, cash um, or well, yeah, or, or know, just recurring someone revenue. using yeah using yeah. your product or service. Yeah, um, and and that yeah. qualifier helps me with my next question too because I was thinking you know this is very like uh, acquisition of of users or revenue focused when does the conversation of brand come into play but but you what you just said you know we're talking starting out like getting those first users you know brand really comes later um so um yes. i don't even have a question at, at other least, than you for, answered the question yeah for for me i've always advised people to not worry too much about brand and, and people kind of have a few hesitations there. One, they're worried that they're going to have this tarnished brand if they do a certain thing and it doesn't turn out well, or if they put some sort of ad or some sort mm. of marketing test out there and it's they don't feel like it's quite on brand. Uh, I would definitely say one, most people don't care. Most people won't know your brand. Most people won't even notice. And so you're not as locked into things as people feel initially feel like they are and it is totally okay to change our our brand has changed literally at the highest level we used to be called delta trainer and now we're we're right. co-pilot um so things can always change getting that that initial revenue and that also very important feedback and information from your customers is so much more valuable to me than the brand level. There's definitely some instances and stories where people go out to the market with a super strong brand and they crush it. And it's all about brand from the start. And so I, I don't want to say that that is the only way, but for so many people, just actually taking action and testing things is going to be way more practical uh, to get some traction early on than worrying about creating a perfect brand and a perfect product and then launching it all at once. Yeah. And I think, I think where I've seen that come out or come into play with like new entrepreneurs is um, people who get it's paralysis by uh, analysis on like, you know, my brand. And, and by the way, for the listeners, I'm totally not knocking you guys who sell like the branding kits and stuff like good. I'm, I'm happy for you. I will say though, the founder who is agonizing over the brand colors and spending like day in and day out, instead of like, like you said, John, like getting out there and like selling basically, or like working on those, those channels. Um, and I, I love your advice. I totally agree that, you know, early on, and this is more for like the, the, the scrappy entrepreneur, um, that cash, that cash flow is so important. Uh, so if you're not focused on, bringing people in, converting people to sales or users, um, you're going to have a really hard time. So yeah, um, we're actually, about go ahead. That, that core value, just delivering that core value. Mm -hmm. Well, we're actually already like towards the end of the call. And I feel like I have like 10,000 questions. So um, if you will allow me one more question, uh, one thing that I know you've found a lot of success on is influencer marketing. And, and I'm so curious about this because I feel like 
I feel like in some worlds, this works really well. And in other words, other worlds, it's kind of a meme. Like, you know, it's like, ah, oh, influencer marketing. And I've, I've actually seen some like really funny, like videos that kind of like spoof off of like, you know, when you hire an influencer, like what can you expect? But you've utilized this and you have found some great success with it. I, I just so curious, like, uh, what does that look like for you? Like navigating that, um, anything you yeah. can share on that? Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll be relatively brief, but going into one aspect we didn't talk about of, of the 19 channels is just like trying a bunch of tests and most things will fail. Uh, so that's very important to know going into all of those is a lot of the stuff you do is, is not going to work out. And that was true for us on most things, including influencers. When we first kind of went out and tried them, uh, we, we sponsored some influencers to talk about us and we didn't really get anything in response or maybe we got like one person to try out the service uh, when we put in, you know, hundreds of dollars and we're expecting a lot more. Um, what happened for us is we got a kind of lucky in in our second attempt because also part of that that whole 19 channels testing process is iterating on on what you learn and and just trying a bunch of things over and over um but what we've found how we've gotten it to work at the highest level is it sounds very simple and but just looking for people who are truly authentic Usually when people think of influencers, you know, you think of that Instagram model who is super attractive and not at all approachable or something like that. That is not the type of influencer that we would be working with. We are looking for people who have a large reach. So they have a large audience, but they're also very much relatable people. I mean, you you have an audience on this podcast, but you're also seemingly, to me at least, a very <laughs> relatable person. Um, I try to do. <laughs> and so, so those are the type of people that we're looking for at the highest level. Like, how do we sure. get it? We have a very defined system for finding that authenticity and giving them the tools to talk about us in the right way. But it definitely was not an immediate success with influencers. It took uh, some testing and influencers sometimes still to this day, definitely they don't all work out. So there is kind of a, a Pareto principle that that 80, 20 rule, which I actually heard of uh, recently on one of your podcasts, the junk removal one. He was yeah. talking about that. Um, yeah. So that, that also applies to influencers. So there's a lot that fails still. Too. Yeah. No, that's great advice. And um, man, I wish we had more time. This is this is the second time uh, you guys have come on the podcast. Your first podcast, uh, I'm actually going to be airing it for our listeners. Uh, you can you can dive into the um the what's the word, the vault of episodes to track down. Uh, it is named Copilot, actually, with Matt Spatel or Spetel Spatel. I actually don't remember. No. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, so this will be the second one. But then also for our listeners, we're going to be re-airing that episode in the coming weeks because a uh, little secret spoiler, um, I haven't been sharing this with people um, in terms of what the top 10 are, uh, but y'all's episode were, were you were in that top 10 of the most downloaded episodes in the hey. five years of the podcast. Um, so people, you guys who were listening, you'll actually be able to hear, hear that first episode uh, in the next several weeks. So... Um, John, well, I'll, I'll have to compete with Matt and yeah. we'll <laughs> he's got a head start of a couple of years. Yeah. Now, right? So, um, yeah. man, John, this was so good. I so appreciate you finding the time to join me today and giving some just really great, 
um, practical advice on the show. Um, I so appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it as well. Um, and if you if you want to grow your company, the best way to do it is to just go to mycopilot.com, get a fitness coach. That's the best place to start is getting a, a fitness coach. But no, I, I thank you so much for, for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Of course. All right. For our listeners, I'm going to put the link to that down in the episode description below. And if you've been listening to the podcast and you enjoy the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click the subscribe subscribe button and the follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. Uh, don't forget, if you want to support the podcast, we have a couple ways you can do that. If you're a business, you can advertise on the podcast, which you can reach out at Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Or you can jump on our Patreon. If you want to skip those ads, you can jump on the Patreon and support the podcast for as little as $5 a month. Thank you so much to our partners who help support the podcast. We really appreciate it. All that to say, that's today's good advice. We'll catch you later. See ya.